This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. How's everybody doing today? One more time, how's everybody doing today? That's more like it. It's 2022, it's a new year. Get things off to a good start. And uh, so... Uh, for those of you that were unable to be with us last week because you were, uh, you know, the Christmas, New Year's uh, food hangover, that's okay. Uh, last week we began talking about change, and uh, I know that a lot of you, you guys sensed that, and so you were like, I'm not going to church today because I don't want to hear about change. I want to keep eating strawberry uh, rhubarb pie, right, and uh, peanut butter balls and different things like that, Right. But uh, guess what? It's the 9th of January. It is now time to change. It's time to do something different. And so today we're going to continue talking about this subject of change. And, uh, um, you know, it's funny because last week we talked about change. And I know what some of you were like. I know exactly how you were like. And so I actually brought a video because we can't, uh, Rachel and I saw this video and we thought it was kind of amusing. And so, uh, Jim, you want to play that for everybody to just show them what they're really like? Yeah, all of you guys, I know, I, you know, you, you, the Lord's speaking to you, or last week you were here, and you were like him when he was running through that forest, no, right, yeah, that's, that's a lot how a lot of us are, right, unless it's good, unless the change is good, then it's like, oh yeah, give me some of that, but uh, when it's difficult, when it's something that we know we are being, you know, uh, uh, prompted and nudged to do, we kind of fight it. We kind of resist it. That's one of the things that we talked about, that, that people resist change. But we also talked about the fa- fact that change is, it has purpose and it's necessary. But today what I want to talk to you uh, about is steps to change. And the first thing that we need to know, and this is in your notes if you guys want to fill in. I know that there's some people that are in the room that are excited about the notes, some people that resist, right? They resist change in their life, and so they don't like to write and, and learn and all those things, and so they resist. No, I'm not taking one of those notes. I refuse to do that. And if you want to be like that, that's okay. But for the rest of you guys, you can fill it in. And so in your notes there, it says that God's change is from the inside out. God's change is from the inside out. You know, a lot of times as, as, as humans, we have a tendency to have these different things. One of those things might be that uh, you might be an unhappy person. Or, or there might be things in your life that you're dissatisfied about. And so what we do is we have this propensity to you know, chase after the things that we think is going to fill that desire, fill that need. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a a new haircut. Maybe it's a new wardrobe. Maybe it's a new house. Uh, You know, and and what we're doing is, is we're trying to fill something and and cause ourselves to to have happiness when in reality, that's not how change happens. That's an external thing that that we're trying to use to fix an internal issue. And, And a lot of times, you know, we go straight to setting 
setting goals. And I think that setting goals is, is a good thing. You know, the first of the year is a great time to kind of reevaluate what it is that you're doing in your life and, and, and the goals that, that you need to set and have in front of you. Uh, but we go straight to that thinking that that's going to bring, bring about a great change in our lives when in reality we should be doing, the first thing we should be doing is getting direction from Him. We should be going to Him and we should be praying and we should be you know, uh, uh, committing our life to Him and saying, Lord, I need Your direction in my life. I need You to show me through Your Word, show me these, the, the, the godly goals that You want me to have for my life. Now, there are natural things, but He'll lead you. He'll show you. He'll help you. He'll guide you in what those things need to be. And so we really need to uh, 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 go to Him and realize that if we want real change in our lives, it's not something that's external it's something that's internal it's a change that's going to take place you know I think about you know uh, uh, the Steve Rosell's testimony and how the change that took place in him he walked the aisles and, and if you haven't heard his testimony I think it's on our website but he, he walked the aisle a lot of times but there was never a change but the change took place on a gravel road out by Lewis Iowa because he it was a hard issue he realized this is an internal thing and he surrendered his life. And so we have to realize that change comes as a result of something that's inward. Um, uh, Proverbs 16.9 says it this way, that we can make our plans, but he determines our steps. And so we see this internal work in Romans 12.2. And uh, in your notes, I put it there, it says this in Romans 12.2. It says, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. But let God remold your heart or your mind from within. Let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practice the plan of God for you is good. And it meets all the demands and it moves towards the goal of true maturity. And that's the Phillips translation. I like what the message uh, translation says. It says that you'll be changed from the inside out. And that's what, we, that's what we want. That's what we need in our lives. We need to be changed from the inside out. And, and so when I think about this change that takes place you know, in, in, inside of us and in this remolding, so to speak, that God wants to do in our lives, this is what I think about. I think about Plato. How many of you guys think about Plato when you think about molding, shaping? Come on, I know. I was actually going to buy 130 of these and hand, hand out some Plato, but I just decided, you know, I didn't need you guys to be distracted. But, you know, Plato is, is, is what? It's moldable. It's pliable. It, 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 you know, you can shape it. And, and we've got this huge box at home of, of all of these different molds. You know, we've got chicken legs and we got little girls and we got bread and we've got fish. And, and, and what happens is, is that as, as we, uh, we saw in that verse, the world is trying to what? It's trying to squeeze, squeeze us into its mold. It has a mold. And, and, and it's working, and the enemy is working on each and every one of us to squeeze us into this mold so that we look like the world, like this is a chicken leg. I mean, it's got the chicken skin and everything on there. I mean, it's got the, the joint and everything, and, and, and that's what happens to us is that we are shaped and molded and squeezed. The enemy is working on us to squeeze us into the mold, and a lot of us, we, we look like you know, 
some of the things that are in the world. And, and I'm not going to point any fingers, but I, brought, I, I, I wrote down some of these molds you know, that we see. We see them in the Word of God. The first one is the world's mold, and uh, that's found in 2 Timothy 3, 3 1 through 3. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we can see here that the world's mold is what? There's, there's extreme, they're extremely fierce. They're self-centered. They're obsessed with money. They boast. Uh, they're arrogant. They're ungrateful. The next, next slide shows us some more things that the world's mold is. They're addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Uh, They're slaves to their desires. They find delight in their own pleasure. That's what the world's mold looks like. It, 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 you know, if you were to walk up here and look at this mold, there's all these little indentions. And, and those indentions really are the attributes of that mold. And when we subject ourselves to that mold and the, the world begins to put its pressure on us, it, it, it causes us to have the same look and, and the same attributes of the world. Another mold that we see is found in... Um, 2 Timothy 3.15, I call it the chicken leg mold. And uh, it's kind of like the one leg in, the one leg out. The one leg in, the one leg out. 2 Timothy 2.3-5 says it this way. They will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Don't be taken by people that are like this. So, you know, those are people that they, they, they know they need God in their lives, but man, there's still just some things in the world that they can't get away from. They can't, they, I just can't let that go. And so what they end up looking like is, is they end up looking like a funny chicken leg, right? Because, yeah, their mold, their mold might have, oh, there's God right there. That, that indention, there's God. I'll give him this much of my life. I'll let, let him have this much of my time. I'll give him this much of my, my effort, my energy. I'm not going to give him my money, but, but he's there. And so we allow, we, 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 we look like that. And so we're half and half. Another one is this. It's found in Revelations 3.15, the lukewarm mold. It says in, in Revelation 3, I know your works, that you've neither hot or cold. Would, uh, would you that you were either hot or cold? So because you're lukewarm, you'll neither be hot nor cold. I'll spit you out of my mouth. It, you know, and I think about the, the, this mold, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I wish I had some molds that were more conducive to it, but it doesn't matter. The, the reality of it is, is that the lukewarm mold is like the person that, they're indifferent. They could be the person that they've been saved for 20 years and, and, and they've gone down the road of life and they've had some, you know, things that have happened in their life and things have been disappointing. Maybe they've served, maybe they've done all these things and, and they get to this place where it's like, you know what, man, I've done all of that. I mean, I've heard it in, in, in all the years I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've heard different people say, you know what, I did it. I'm, I'm going to go sit in my recliner. I'm going to go do what it is that I do. I'm going to do my life and, and I'm just kind of indifferent to the things of God. I've tried that. And so they, they allow their life to be molded with a lukewarm mold. Another mold that we see is the mold of being all in. How many of you guys want to be the mold of all in, right? Let's look at the scripture because it's, there's some great adjectives and there's some great descriptive values that, that show us what the all, all mold is. And this is in Romans 12, 9. They're, they love from the center. 
right? This is a believer or a person that that loves from the center. They love deeply. Another thing is they're expectant. They're cheerfully expectant. Does your life and does your mold, is it one that exudes an expectancy for what it is that God's going to do? How about this? Does your mold represent the person that's not going to quit? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to follow God. Maybe maybe your mold is the one that, that has the spot in it where you pray harder. Or maybe there's a spot in that mold that says you're a person that's inventive in your hospitality. It goes on to say this, and the next uh, um, portion of this is, go ahead and flip to the next one to see some more attributes. They bless their enemies. They get along with people. Does your mold, does the mold that your life represent get along with other people? Or are you a person of road rage? Right? When somebody pulls in front of you, you have a few select words for them, or you tell them that they're number one right? I don't know. What does your mold look like? Do you hit back when your wife talks to you or hits, hits you? I would hope not. No. When, you're, when your wife says mean and you know, nasty things to you, don't, don't let your mold be the one that hits back. Oh, okay. You're going to say that? I got something for you. No. We don't want our mold to look like that or insist on our own way. And so I don't know what your mold looks like, but here's the thing. The, the world and our life, somebody's putting pressure on us, right? They're, they're squeezing us into their mold. And, and when we get done, it's going to have the attributes of the mold. It's going to look like an exact replica of the mold. And so I don't know, you know, there, there might be differing attributes. You know, you might see some things in your life. You know, the other thing about Plato is this, if you guys remember this. And, and as a perfectionist, this is really difficult for me because how many of you guys, you know, when you go to use Plato, and it's like it's hard and crusty, right? And there's some people, man, they're just hard and crusty. The other thing is the, the hard, nasty, hard pieces that get into the mold, and so when you push it, and you, you, you want this picture of perfection, right? You want it. But no, man, there's this big, nasty, hard piece of yellow Play-Doh in your, in your final product. And I think that for some of us, that's, that's where we're at. It's not necessarily that we look exactly like the world, but man, we've allowed some of the, the, the hard, crusty pieces of Play-Doh, the things in our lives that are taking away from God's true blessing in our life to be put into and squeezed into our life. And so today, I want to I talk to you about this. So what does, in your notes, what, does, what mold does your life represent? I don't know, you know, it could be any one of the ones that we went through, but you have to understand there's, there's varying degrees of molds. And, and so what does your mold of your life represent? You know, a great il- illustration of a remold that took place was that of the life of Moses. And that's really what we, you know, kind of the, the point that I'm trying to drive home today is, is that, you know, maybe you're like, wow, I really do look like a chicken leg. You know, some of the things in my life, I man, I... Yeah, I guess if you were, if I were to be honest, my life does look like a chicken leg. Or maybe you have chicken legs. I don't know. But here's the thing. You can, your life is pliable, right? There's a a scripture in the Bible that talks about the fact that we are clay in the potter's hands, right? He can mold us. He can reshape us. And, And, you know, to do that, we have to surrender. We have to say, you know what, Lord, I want this. 
We have to be willing. We have to, you know, because it's, it's kind of like we talked about last week. People are just resistant. No, 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 no. I'm good with my mold. I'm good with the way life is. I'm good with this. I'm good with that. And I will put up with that thing that I know needs to change. When in reality, if we would just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to surrender and I'm going to submit. I know that my life is pliable. And so I'm going to lay my life at the altar and I'm going to allow you to, to, to form me, shape me and, and, and allow you to squeeze me and change me and mold me into the person that you want me to be. And that's really what we're looking at today. And that's something that, he, that, that God did in Moses' life. And we, if you look at uh, Exodus, there's, there's, uh, in chapters 3 and 4, there are six great points that kind of help us to see the steps or the things that, that, uh, that God did in Moses' life. So in your notes there, number one is found in is, is, is what we see in Exodus 3.3. It says that Moses, I must go and see. Now to give you a little bit of a preface to this story, um, Moses, if you guys remember Moses' story, he was raised by the Egyptians, but something happened is, is that he killed another Egyptian. And so as a result, the Pharaoh found out and he ran for his life to another, another place, another land. And, and he, he ran from his life and he went to another place and started a new life and, and, and got married, had kids, and he was working for his father-in-law. And one day he was out herding, herding animals and God showed up in the form of a bush and he, he, the bush was not consumed, but he spoke to Moses in, through the bush. And he, because he had this plan, he had this mold, he wanted to remold and, and use uh, Moses' life. And so what, what happened was, is in Exodus 3.3, 3, it says that Moses said, I must go and see. So number one, change requires us to turn to God. Change requires us to turn to God. Because here's the thing, guys. We're going through life, and we're doing what we do. And, and, and life is good, and we're, we're, we don't want anything to mess with us because we don't want to mess with the routine, right? It's kind of like Walmart when they change their layout, or it's kind of like the interstate system that I don't know who developed that thing. But, like, why, right? Who would do that? We don't want, but, but, but we're like that. If we're real honest with ourselves, there's things that's like, no, 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 don't mess with that. But, but, but Moses was going through life. He was doing his thing, business as usual, right? Going to work, coming home, you know, helping with supper, loving his wife, raising his kids, you know, trying, you know, doing this thing with the free time and how much money he spent. We, we do, we, we're no different than Moses. We're no different. But something happened. He, when, when God began to speak to him through the bush, what did he do? He didn't just keep on doing what he did. He said, I need to turn and go to talk to God. And that's exactly what we need to do if we want change in our lives is that it requires us to turn to God. And, 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 and so, um, you know, a lot of times God's trying to get our attention and it's kind of like, how many of you guys have ever seen The Three Amigos? I haven't watched that movie for a really long time. It's a really, really good movie. But one of the times these three guys, I can't remember which one, was standing up on this building and, and he's like, the other two guys are like, and they're goofy, and they're walking, and they're, I don't remember what they're trying to do. But the one guy was trying to act like a bird. He says, look up here, look up here, look up here. You know, he's doing all these funny antics. Just, just YouTube it. And, and he's trying to get their attention because they're just like doing their thing. And the same thing is true with us. We're kind of walking through life, and God is just saying, trying to get our attention. 
And he's, he's doing everything he can, but we're just so focused on our habits. We're so focused on the routine. We're so focused on these things. We're, we're, we're okay with the, the little things that don't work, but in reality, he's trying to get our attention. Another thing we do is that we look in the wrong places. We're trying to fix things, and we're, and we're asking our mother-in-law, our father-in-law, our friend, our coworker. We're going to all these different places to get the answer that, we're, that we so desperately need to change the thing that we need, that, we, that, that God has for us. And so we can't do that. We can't fall into that trap of looking in all of the wrong places. Moses stopped what he was doing. He turned to what was urgent. And he, tur- he turned from the urgent. He turned from the normal. He turned from the business as usual to God. And, and so change requires turning away from all of the other things and looking to God. Exodus 3.11 says it this way, that Moses protested, though. This was the result. Moses protested, who am I to appear before, the, uh, before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people? And so what we see in this point is, is number two, when you turn to God, you will have to resist excuses. You'll have to resist excuses. I mean, you know, I've been reading this book uh, here at the beginning of the year that, that really kind of talks about this idea of excuses. And it's amazing how when you kind of tune yourself in, it's like, wow, <laughs> I make a lot of excuses. And, and, and we can fall into this trap where we make these excuses that, that God wants to make this change, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know if, if you know, I'll do it tomorrow, right? We say, I, you know, am I really good enough to do this? Another one to say, you know, I could never do that. Or maybe it's too late. Maybe that's an excuse. Ah, it's just too late, right? It's already January 9th. I can't, I can't get a grip on my spending. Or it's January 9th and I, you know, it's like you're only nine days in, right? It's, you know, and so we come up with all of these different excuses. I think each and every one of us uh, do that. But you have to understand this, that excuses, excuses cause us to miss opportunities. They cause us to miss opportunities, and, you know, when I think about this, uh, we were talking about this in youth on Wednesday night, when it comes to this idea of missing opportunities, where the Lord is trying to change things in our lives, but we're not listening. We're not paying attention. We're just going down the road doing our thing. And, and I think about the example in, in the New Testament, in the books of Matthew and Luke, where Jesus came on the scene and he was finding followers, disciples, people that wanted to follow him. And in, and in Luke, it talked about these two guys that, Jesus said to them, hey, stop what you're doing and follow me. And what they did was is that they said, one guy said, you know what, just a minute, just, just one minute, I need to go and I need to say goodbye to my family and then I'll go with you. Another guy said, you know what, I'll go with you, but I need to go do, I got to go take care of some business. Actually, my father just died. I need to bury him and then I'll go with you. And in both of those illustrations, Jesus is like, he's like, he just forgot him, Right. But then when you look in, in Matthew, you look at James and Peter and John and some of these guys, they were out fishing and Jesus came to them and it says that they immediately left. Like they didn't stop. They, imme- they, they, they didn't uh, say, well, you know what, Lord, just, just one minute. I got to finish doing this. I need to watch this net. I'm going to do, no. It says that they immediately left. In one, one instance, it said that they left their dad standing there, Right? Think about that. 
Like, put yourself in the position of these guys. Like, they have worked, they have grown up, they have watched their family, that fishing was their main deal, it was all they did. Now they were out on the boat, they thought that that was the way that their life was going to go, and then Jesus shows up and says, hey, I got something different for you, if you'll follow me. And maybe maybe Jesus caught them on a day when it was like, you know what, I'm tired of this, we have caught no fish, let's go do something different. No, I don't know. I mean, if they had any care in their heart whatsoever, they, to leave their dad just, hey man, we'll see you later. <laughs> thanks, thanks, I appreciate that. So we have to resist the excuses and because excuses cause us to miss opportunity. Also, excuses guarantee our failure. They guarantee our failure. We can, we can live our life and continue to just make excuses day after day, week after week, year after year. Well, I'll do it this time. But, but this is what Don Wilder says. is says excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to be, I don't want to get to the end of my life and stand before Jesus. And he says, well, you know, you did pretty good, but you sure made a lot of excuses and you complained a lot. I don't want to hear that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear that. So I'm going to resist excuses. God had an answer for Moses' excuses. Do you know that? It's found in Exodus 3.12. It says that God said, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. Man, I tell you what, Moses is like, God was just saying so many things to him, and he still made excuses. I, I, the one thing that is very encouraging about that fact is this, that I thank my God that I don't have to be perfect. I thank my God that, that we see that in Moses' life, even though he made excuses, God still worked with him. God still had a plan. He still had a purpose. He hit, still had things. And even though Moses made excuses, he helped him. He coached him. He trained him. But it's like we said before, he had turned to God. He had included God in his life. And so what we see here is, is that... Um, Number three is this. Change requires trusting God. Change requires trusting God. If you desire change, whether it's in your career, right? You know, I've, I was talking with somebody here recently where it's like, I asked them about their life and they said, yeah, you know, I'm doing this, it's a great job, but I'm, I'm stuck. I want to do something different, but I, I'm stuck. And maybe you're, maybe you're in that place where you feel stuck. And God's like, you know what? I got something different for you. And so, but you, 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 you're like, ah, I just don't know. I don't know how that would work. I, I, I can't see my way through that. I'm not sure how, how, how I would pay the bills and maybe I wouldn't get hired. And you, you, we begin to think these thoughts and we, we feel stuck. And what I'm, my point is, is, is that we have to trust God. We have to trust him. And, and you know, maybe it's in your, um, your marriage and you've tried everything. And, and it just never seems to get any better. It just seems to be this cycle that you go through. And it uh, could be your kids, could be your health, could be your finances. And you might, say to, you, know, you might say to me, Brian, you don't understand. You know, this has been over the course of many, many years. I, 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 I've done what the Word of God has said. I've, I feel like I've prayed hard. I've, I've shed tears. I've, I feel like I've believed in faith. And, 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 and I guess I would say, I, I may not understand I may not understand, I may not you know, have ever gone through what it is that you have gone through, but, but here's what I do know. I know that he knows what's going on. I know that, that he understands your life. He understands your circumstance. I know that he sees you, 
And I know that he's at work. And I know that, that, that because of these things, the question is, is will you trust him again? Will you look to him again? Uh, Psalms 37, 4 says it this way. It says, to delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice in the noonday. You know, when I think about this, this, this idea that change requires trust, I, there's, there's one great illustration that comes to my mind, and, and that is I've got a picture of Stuart and Carol Hughes. And some of you guys know Stuart and Carol. They were here for many years. Um, but the story behind Stuart and Carol was this, that, that Carol began coming to the church um, probably 25 years ago. And she, she came and she served, I think she worked in the nursery forever. And Stuart did not come to church. And he didn't want to have anything to do with church. And, you know, Carol just, you know, began to pray for him and believe for him. And, you know, when you think about the story, it's like, I guarantee you that Carol had ample opportunities to make excuses, to, to doubt, to think, you know, this is never going to work. I'm just going to give up. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm I'm not going to pray for him anymore. I'm not going to trust you anymore. I'm not going to, you know, Stuart is the way he's going to be. And I'm just going to live my life. But she didn't. She, she prayed for 17 years. And then one day, one Sunday morning, she walked out after she was getting ready, and there stands Stuart, and he's all dressed up. And she's like, what are you doing? Right? And she's like, he's like, oh, I'm going to go to church with you. She's like, what? I'm, I, I would guess that she may have fainted. I'm not real sure. But can you imagine? I guess my point is this, guys, is that no matter what has happened in your life, you have to trust God. You have to trust that he's at work. Trust that, you know what? Hey, if it takes 17 years, I'm going to continue to trust you that there's going to be change that takes place in my life. I'm going to begin, I'm trusting you that, that it might take 20 years, but, but that child will come back to the Lord. It might take 25 years, but I am going to continue to trust you. That has to be our objective. That has to be our desire that just like Moses, like, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to trust what it is that you, you know, and if I'm going to catch myself. If I'm making excuses, I'm going to catch myself and I'm going to resist those, those excuses and say, no, 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 no. I trust you, Lord, for, for you want to do good things in my life. Matthew 6.33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And I think a lot of times what we do is, is that we're so focused on the thing. We're so focused on it not changing that we get away from following God. We get away from seeking Him first, right? Turning from what it is that we, we get distracted by. We have to turn back to Him and begin to focus on Him, begin to seek Him first in our lives. And what God asked Moses to do was very, very big. It was bigger than him. But God laid it out, and He told him exactly what He wanted to do. He told him how it would go down. And, and, and so... So no matter where you find yourself, no matter where you find yourself today, the nudge of change that the Lord is challenging you in requires you to trust Him. 
It requires you to trust him. God's plans and instructions were clear. He wanted Moses to, uh, to trust, but Moses didn't. Look at what it says here in Matthew 3, or I'm sorry, Exodus 3:13. It says that Moses protested. What do I, what do I tell them, Lord? How many of you guys have ever been there? The Lord says to do something, and it's like, well, what should I do? You want me to do that now? You want me to talk to them? You want me to pray with them? We, we, we all do it. We've all done it. And if you haven't, you will. We make that, we, we, we make that excuse. But, but here's the point. As you trust God, you will have to resist doubt. Number four, you're going to have to resist doubt. So God lays this plan out for Moses, and he's like, man, I'm going to do this, but what, what happens when I get there? I really don't think, Lord, that your plan is going to work. What are they going to say? What are they going to believe? And he's like, no, no. I got it all under control. And so we have to do the same thing. We have to resist doubt. He laid it out, yet Moses still allowed doubt to rise in him. He protested what God had told him, and he even um, questioned him. But look what it says here in James. James 1, verse 6 through 8. It says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Right? So when we don't resist doubt, here's what's going to happen in our life. Because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea. They're blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So when we don't resist the doubt and we, we, we feed on the doubt, the, the questions that we have in our mind, what, what it causes us to do is it causes us to become unstable. It causes us to become pushed. And then the more doubt that we, that we entertain and we think about and we meditate on, it ends up pushing us more and, and, and causes us to waver and causes us to get off track, causes us to question God, causes us to kind of turn away from, from His plan, His purpose, that the trust part of it kind of goes out the window when we don't resist the doubt. So we have to resist the doubt. You know, when you think about doubt, you know, um, I think about the, the very, kind of the very beginning. If you go back to the Genesis, what did the devil do with Adam and Eve? He, he caused Eve to question Oh, do you really think that this is what God, don't you really think that God is just holding back power? You know, and, and he caused her to question. And as a result, she was wavering. And the next thing you know, she makes this wrong decision. When we doubt, we'll be, um, we'll be at the top of the enemy's list for changing. He'll, it'll be at the very top. You, you'll want to change something in your life and you'll leave this place and maybe you'll write it down on the piece of paper and you'll begin to make some changes and do some things. And then the doubt, this one little seed of doubt, he'll plant in your heart. And, 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 and if you don't resist it, you're going to have a challenge trying to change. So we have to resist doubt. We, we do that in your notes. We resist doubt with our mouth. With our mouth. The minute that something comes into your mind... If you'll open your mouth and speak something different, it'll go away. It, you might have to talk to it more. But when circumstances are talking to you, are you talking back? Say, no, 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 no. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. When the symptom comes on your body, are you saying, man, that does not feel good. <laughs> That's like an agreement. Or are you saying, nope. No, no, no. Jesus took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Right? There's, there's all kinds of scriptures that we can speak. And if you can't, there's, there's a little book out there that is about this big. 
and it has scriptural confessions. It's exactly what you're looking for when it comes to this, this idea of speaking to the doubt with your mouth, having an answer to what it is that's your, that you're facing. And so resist doubt with your mouth. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says it this way, I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it will happen and uh, it will be done for him. So it says right here, if we doubt, we're not, it's, nothing's going to change. But if we, we say, no, I'm, I'm believing and I'm not doubting and I'm speaking and I'm saying and I'm commanding those things to be not as though they were, it will take place in our life. And so we do that with our words. And if you want to see change in your lives, you have to turn to God, resist excuses, trust God, resist doubt. And lastly, number five, you have change requires following his plan. Exodus 3.18 says it this way, that the elders of Israel will accept your message, but the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him to. So God, uh, change requires us to follow his plan. And, and so what we see here in Exodus is, is that God laid it out. He told Moses, he said, you know, even after all of this stuff, you know, he turns, he begins to trust, he makes excuses, he starts doubting, but, but God says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out for you. The people of Israel are going to accept, they're going to accept you, they're going to accept you as their leader, they're going to accept your instructions, but something's going to happen with Pharaoh, it's going to require my hand to drive him out. And so what we see here is, is that uh, God told Moses exactly how it was going to go, but maybe you don't know what his plan is. Maybe you're sitting there and it's like, well, that's great for Moses, man. He laid it out. He told him. He spoke to him you know, audibly, and, and the Lord's not speaking to me audibly. But well, guess what? He gave you something better. He gave you the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you. You know, this whole goofy idea with Plato, you know when I got that? I was driving down 92, going to Council Bluffs to get something. And, and this idea came up. He'll speak to you in the smallest of ways. He'll give you the guidance. He'll give you the plan. You might be brushing your teeth. You might be combing your hair, and he might say, I need you to do this, and it might be completely out of the blue. Like, you'll be trusting him, you'll be, you know, uh, resisting the doubt, resisting the excuses. You're like, man, Lord, I know you're going to do something in this, and he'll speak to you and show you what it is that you need to do. And so we have to follow that plan, because his plan is good. Jeremiah 29, we know uh, the plans that he has for us, declares the Lord plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. His plan, you know right off the bat. You may not have the specifics of it, but it's like, you know what? I know that his plan is good. Number two, he will show you his plan. It says in Proverbs 3, 6, it says, seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you what the path is to take. So, so that's our trust. That's our reliance. It's like that's our kind of our go-to. That maybe we don't have the specifics of what it is that we're supposed to be doing, but we're promised in, the, in, in Proverbs that, man, he's going to direct us. He's going to show us. He's going to help us in that path and give us that answer. You know, this point isn't in your notes, but when it comes to his plan, the number one way that I believe that, that he's going to change your life is really back, if you were to rewind and look at your notes there, is in Romans 12 too. And, 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 and we know this verse by, by how it's quoted a lot of times that it's the renewing of the mind, 
right? We can be squeezed into the mold of the world, but God encourages us and the Word encourages us to renew our mind. It's a daily process of renewing our mind. It's like, it's like you know, if, we're, if, we look, if our life looks like the chicken leg, it's like, okay, I don't want to look like the chicken leg. I want to be the happy, the happy person. Well, guess what? The happy person that's loving and resisting all of these things, it's, it's the person that's renewing their mind to the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible, is like a mold. It shows you exactly what it is. And as you apply that pressure of the Word to your life, it will reveal the things in your life that you need to change. There might be things that you don't even know you need to change. But as you, re- as you read the word and apply the pressure of the word to your life, it'll say, hey, man, there's an imperfection there. We talked about it last week, that it's a mirror. It's going to show you. It's, you know, it, it, it shows you what you need to do and how you need to go. And so that is a part of his plan is, is the renewing of your mind. The last point is this, number six, as you follow his plan, you will have to resist fear. Exodus 4.1 says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? So Moses, you know, here he is, man. He'd made excuses. He had doubted. And now here he is, man. He's afraid. He's like, I, what, you know, okay, I'll do it. But what if I go down there and, and they, don't, they don't accept me? Even though God said they're going to accept you. He, he was in fear. You know, and a lot of times we do the same thing. We say, you know, we say, I, I'm afraid. I'm not real sure. Or I'm uncertain. And, and, you know, what if I fail? You know, we made a list um, on Wednesday night over in the youth, and I was going to bring it over here, but they had erased it. But we made this list of all of the things that, that cause us to not change. And, in my, and, and really, it just kind of outlines this whole idea of fear. You know, there's the pressure of maybe family. There might be the pressure of maybe some of the friends in your life that don't necessarily agree with you, but it's like, man, I, I know I probably shouldn't hang with them, but I, you know, and, and so it's this acceptance thing. It's like, man, I, I got to have friends. And, and, and so there's that loss. There's a, a fear of, of losing someone that maybe you have a bond with. But, but in reality, it's like the Lord's saying, man, that influence is not good on your life. And so you have to overcome that fear that the enemy's trying to, you know, bring upon you to, to stop you from changing. And so we have to resist fear. And so, you know, I guess in closing, guys, you know, we're, we all have a mold. There's all, all of us have a mold that we are subjecting our lives to. The question is, what does your mold look like? You know, and, and if you don't like what you see, you have to change. I mean, that, that's just, you know, we, we've heard it said that doing the same thing over and over again is just insanity, right? And if there's things that, uh, that are in our lives, it's like, I really don't like this. I really don't like that. I really don't like that. You know, then what do you got to do? You got to say, you know what? I'm going to pick up a different mold. And I'm going to allow God's word to, to make this impression on my life. I want my life to represent God. I want my life to represent love. I want my life to represent acceptance. I want to, I want to love my wife like, like I've never loved her. I want, to, I want to love my kids and lead my kids and, and help them like I've never done before. But guess what? The, the only way that you're going to, to, to do that is by the inward change. We read it before, the Message Bible says it, that the, the change comes from the inside out. I, you, we can read all the books we, we want. You know, the self-help industry is huge, $18 billion a year, whatever it is. And, and, and that's admirable. 
There are great books out there. But, but if we think that that's going to change us and make us what it is that, that God has for us, we got another thing coming. God's, God's hand has to be on it. And the only place that we see God's hand, the only place that we see God's impression, the attributes of God, the things that God wants for our lives is found in the Word of God. And so if we want to change our life, if we want to do things different, if we want this to be the best year ever, it's got to be the best year spiritually speaking. That's the, way, that's the only way it's going to take place. You, you, if you can do it with your will, you can, man, I'm going to get this. I'm going to, I'm going to make it three months instead of one month. But how about, it just, how about just doing what Moses did and begin to walk this process? It's, it's, it's a process. It's a process of step after step after step. And if we, if we find ourselves, man, I had a day full of excuses. What do we do? We say, you know what? I might have made excuses all day, but guess what? I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. What do you say? When you make that, that, that declaration, you are resisting the excuses. You're resisting. Say, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to do this. And then when doubt comes and, and the enemy's like, man, you really think this is going to happen? You begin to take steps. You really think that's going to change? You really think that situation is going to change? You really think that God wants to grow your business? Do you really think that that idea that he gave you is a good one? Don't you think that maybe... I, you, you would lose everything. You might, you know, you, you, you go out, you put yourself out there and, and, and you're going to fail and then you're going to lose it all. Just stay where you're at. Just stay with, right here. You're comfortable. You, you're okay. You have enough. You'll be fine. That's not, that's not God's plan. God's plan is, is beyond our wildest dreams. But we're going to have to turn to Him. We're going to have to resist the excuses we're going to have to trust Him, man. Trusting Him is something that we do every day. When our feet hit the floor, it's like, Lord, I trust You in, 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 in my actions, in my life, in what it is that I'm doing on, on the job. I trust You. I trust You in my marriage. I trust You with my kids. I'm looking to You. I'm consecrating my life to You. Lord, I have doubts, but Lord, I ask You to help me with those doubts. I resist those doubts. You're doing, that, that's, the, that's the process that you go through. It's a daily thing. And if you're tempted to pick up that other mold, you know, and, and, and allow it to be you to be squeezed into it, you just have to say, nope, 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 nope. Oh, we're going back here. If you look in your mold and you find some imperfections and some impurities, right? It's like, no, nope, we're getting that out. You get something out and you clean that out. Clean it out. Get rid of it. It might be social media. It might be you watch too much TV. It might be, I don't know what it is. You know, there are certain things in life that there's, they're not bad in and of themselves, but what they lead to in our lives is, is, is an imperfection or an impurity that kind of infects this perfect mold that God has for our life. And so we just have to say, oh man, because God's word will show us. God's word will show us the imperfections in our lives and he'll say, you know what? I can take that out. I can fix that blemish. I can, I can change that with the word. And what he'll do is as you look upon his word, he'll mold it in the way that it needs to be. There might be pieces, chunks of you that are gone because of pain, because of loss, because of things that have happened in, this, in, in your life. I'm here to tell you today, God can fix that. He can shape that. He can, he, can, he can fix it in a way that man could never do it. You know, we try to fill, it, fill those holes with the self-help books and the medications and maybe alcohol or maybe it's a drug. I don't know. We try to fill it. 
But I'm here today to tell you to, to get rid of it and say, you know what, Lord? I'm gonna, I, I need you to fill that hole. I need you to, to, to come in and rework and remold and help me in my life and fix this, this giant chasm, that, that, that the piece that's missing from me. And he will. So let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just pray and commit this to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Because we know, Lord, that your word is what changes us. It's the only thing that has the ability to change us from the inside out. And so today, Father God, as a congregation, not as any one individual, I'm not looking for a response. But Father God, we're just coming to you and we're saying, you know what? In our own conversation with him, man, I got some things I need to change. I, my life does not represent what I want it to represent. My mold is, I need to throw that mold away. And so today, that is what I'm doing. With an act of my decision, an act of my choice, I'm making a decision to throw the mold away and, and grab the mold that you have for my life, which is found in the Word of God, and I'm going to begin to apply it to my life. Lord, I just thank you for the change that's going to take place in this new year in all of us, in our church, in our life, in our families, in our homes. I just speak change over each and every, play, each and every household that's represented here today. Father, for people's lives that have been hurt people's lives that, that are missing something, Father God, I pray health. I pray healing. I pray wholeness, Father God, as they begin to seek after you, as they turn, Father, from their ways and begin to trust you and resist the doubt and resist excuses. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to begin to fill and mold and, and, and smooth over that thing. And, and, and years from now, Lord, they will look back and it will be a distant memory. I thank you, Father God, for healing hearts, healing lives today. Father, we just thank you for your word in our lives. We thank you, Father God, for the change that's going to take place in us and through us from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen.